Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending what part of the world you are joining us from. I am your host, Alex Faust, of this week's Conversation at the Edge, and I'm very excited to have Steve Baker joining us today. Steve is the Vice President of The Great Game of Business, co-author of Get in the Game, as well as the updated version of the number one uh, bestseller, Great Game of Business. He is also the coach of our Great Game of Business Master Business course. So I'm very excited. Steve, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. Uh, Where are you calling in from today? Today, I'm at, believe it or not, in Springfield, Missouri at the office. You know, to start, I think that you'll do a much better job explaining than I could have in the intro, but hoping that you can share like a broad stroke overview of what is the essence of great game of business and why in your mind is it important for business leaders to be talking about it and, you know, using the great game of business practices. Well, um, so Alex, the the big, big picture would probably be to start with, you know, uh, where did it come from and why? And so um, for those of you who have not heard of the great game of business, uh, simply put, Jack Stack, our founder and CEO and 12 other managers bought a dying division of International Harvester way back in 1983 and wanted to save 119 jobs. And when Jack went to get financing to do this, what he found out is the bankers spoke a completely different language. And he had to learn that language, the language of finance, uh, literally the secret language that that separates the haves and have nots. And uh, so he was committed to teaching everyone in the business um, because they had a huge debt load at 89 to one debt to equity was pretty uh, tenuous at the beginning. Um, In order to save the jobs, people had to learn business and great technicians resist learning business. And I don't care if you're turning a wrench or writing code, you know, let the accountants do the numbers, let the bean counters count the beans. I'll do my job, let them do. And Jack's like, no, uh, we were the best in the world. We almost lost everything. So the great game of business was his analogy, his way to get people connected to the idea of we are here to um, build a great company. It's not the products we make, it's not the services we provide, How do we build a great company that will last? And over these last 40 or so years, um, what it has become is people call it open book management, but but simply put, what we're trying to do is is create a business of business people who think and act and feel more like the owners do. So we have to teach them business and we do it in a very approachable way. And um, I I think in a nutshell, that's it. You know, the analogy is pretty simple in that Jack just wanted it to be something approachable and games and business have all the same elements, right? You know, there's a team goal, there's rules, uh, the scoreboards, of course, in business are the financials and a stake in the outcome, which started out as we get to keep our jobs. (laughs) And finally, you know, over time it became, hey, let's pay bonuses, let's create new companies, let's create career paths for people. So we've spun off 68 companies since 1983, most of which have been run by former frontline people. It's pretty cool. In the book, in the course, there's a quote that says, the most efficient, most profitable way to operate a business is to give everybody in the company a voice in saying how it's run and a stake in the outcome, good or bad. And and can you tell us about this? Like, How much information, how much of a, a, a voice and a stake are you talking? And you know, at what 
what responsibility level of you said education is required to, you know, have these benefits. The great game of business is the smallest of 10 companies that makes up SRC holdings. So we're about 2000 people, about 680 million in sales. Most of the other companies make stuff. They remanufacture engines and engine components, that sort of thing. And we're the educational arm. So there's a, there's a little bit of background there. We are going through it ourselves, right? So we've hired more than 500 people since the first of this year, and we still need a couple hundred more. Well, what are we doing to our own culture? We're diluting it at a rapid pace. So we're doubling down on the education. So when you come in the door here, we're already teaching about the basics of where do you fit? You're going to a weekly huddle where the financials are literally built by the people from the floor up. And this, I mean, this is the way we do things, right? And so what level of, uh, of line item ownership? It's the line item, right? So we're not asking people to become accountants at all. We want them to understand the business of the business they're in. And this goes for anyone listening. And we want them to understand how financials work in general, because there's business literacy, like how do I do my job and how do we make money in this industry? And then there's financial literacy, which is universal, right? The income statement and the balance sheet have not changed since 1494, and we don't teach it in school. What the literal hell are we doing in this country, right? We're creating a, a you know a continue continually growing gap between the haves and have-nots. And what we want to do is give the have-nots what the haves have, which is the knowledge. And so when you ask about um, a stake in the outcome, good or bad, when we say we literally want to build a business of business people who think and act and feel more like owners do, that knowledge is part of it, right? The knowledge that the the ownership equation is risk and reward, right? I mean, that that ratio is what we're always dealing with. I tend to look for the creating of the wins, right? Because together we're much more likely to have a win because people are really a lot smarter than we get them, give them credit for. We just don't give them enough um, opportunity to win. Permission to win and opportunity to win are, are two things we really got to give our people. So um, what does that look like and how much of a voice? Well, I'm not saying that everybody gets like a vote and we sit around and, and it's like total democracy in that sense, but it is definitely uh, a democratized version of capitalism. What I mean is it's not command and control. It's not do as I say, nothing more, nothing less. There's input all the time because who are creating the numbers in the business? It's the people doing the work, right? Jack says numbers are just stories about people. So Alex, what I would suggest to you is what if you held one another responsible? And I'm talking about peer to peer as you build that income statement every week. If you come in with a crappy forecast or an inconsistent forecast, I mean, you're going to get a talking to, not by the boss, probably by your peers saying, I can't, you know, if, if your sales line isn't credible, I can't build the operational side of it. And again, you know, I could be, uh, you know, again, punching out code in the back room and going, I, I don't even know, are we getting this thing moved out? You know, so it makes a much more healthy organization in the sense that we start treating one another like adults instead of like kids, either protecting them from something or punishing them because they did something wrong and they have no idea what they did wrong. So the, the thing is, is when you read that and you say a voice in, in saying how the business is run and giving a mistake in the outcome, good or bad, it doesn't mean, well, you saw the numbers coming, now we're going to lay you off. It's about how do we create the win? We just don't like to lose at all. So we create wins. I mean, at SRC, all these years, four decades, never a layoff through multiple recessions. And I mean, that's that's the idea, right? Jack has built an organization that is committed to jobs first.
That means people first. And he knows that that's the real power. As we go into the next few years, we are going to see incredible economic boom happening, right? You can see it coming, but you know by 25, 26, that overdue recession is coming. So who right now is out there suffering, trying to get people um, are the same people who'll be like, oh my God, what do I do with all these people now? Um, and then that's what we don't want to do. So we want to build something that can be robust and resilient and smarter workforce equals market domination. And if you want to get started playing the game, if I'm not mistaken, there's there's three steps and maybe we can kind of go one by one and, and talk about that. Um, whatever you're trying to accomplish in the business, make it very clear and then tie your education program. That's number one. Your accountability program, number two, and number three, your stake in the outcome or your incentive program. So let's start with number one. What is the critical number? Let's teach that and let's teach basic financial literacy and be transparent enough for people to understand how their daily actions and decisions will move the number. So that's one, the rules of the game. No one teach the rules. What game am I in? You know, bring the marketplace to them. The second one is follow the action and keep score because we behave differently when we keep score. Now, a lot of listeners are going to say, well, we have scoreboards galore, man. We are all over this thing. We've been doing that for years. Great. Now I want you to change one thing, where the information comes from. <laughs> Flip the funnel and start doing scoreboards differently. Say, tell me how the month will end. Tell me how the quarter will end. Whatever period you currently measure, except ask the people who own those lines, who are responsible, not what happened last week, not what happened today, but because of everything they know, what do they think their forecast is? And here's a tip. When you do that, people are like, oh my God, I can't tell you the future. What You want me to predict what's going to happen? No. Here's, here's the takeaway. Your job is not to predict the future. Your job is to influence it. So now we go to our third Okay, you're teaching me the business and the marketplace and what I need to do. Second, we're holding one another accountable. We're having weekly huddles around the financials. We're building the financials together. So we, we create literally our own future. And that's the number one predicting predictor of happiness, by the way, if, if, if you want another. This is so full of takeaways, Alex. Let me tell you, the number one predictor of happiness, uh, this is according to a University of Michigan study that just it can't be beat. It's a feeling of control over your own life, a feeling of agency, a feeling of like, I have a voice in what's going to happen to me. What if you gave people that at work? Oh, my God, they will not stop thanking you. You know, the thing is, it's not all doves and rainbows. You will have some bad numbers. Uh, that's going to happen. That's business, right? But if people understand that there are cycles in business, that's no one teach the rules and we're track measuring, reporting, forecasting. What's in it for me? That's three stake in the outcome. So teach me the business. Let's hold one another accountable and keep score. And then what's in it for me? This is my favorite part because I'm telling you, every place I ever worked, you know, it's just do more, do more, sell more, be more, be smarter, go, 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 go. And, and you could give me all the direction you want and you can give me hints, but I'm going to do the simplest thing to get me there faster, right? I'm smart. I'm creative. I'm a problem solver. If you say sell more, I'm going to go to freaking Walmart. I'm going to sell tons of stuff to Sam's Club. I mean, who's the biggest retailer, but who's the worst commercial partner you could imagine for a small to mid-sized business? A huge retailer that knows how to, you know, maximize their profitability on you. So I'm not knocking the big boxes. I'm not. I'm just saying these were my experiences. 
And instead, if they would have said, well, here's what we're trying to do. We need gross margin dollars. And how do you think we could get those? Well, at the time, and I'm talking back in the late 80s, early 90s, the, the way to do it was find very specialized retailers and go sell them super high margin stuff that was exclusive that you couldn't get at the big boxes. And when I do the numbers now in my head, I'm going, my God, I could have revolutionized those businesses had I known, right? But I didn't. It was sell more, sell faster, do more, that sort of thing. So the last one, the stake in the outcome, it has always been disconnected for me, right? It was like, do your stuff. And all year long, I would work. And at the end of the year, if I was lucky, there was a bonus. And it, for me, it was never enough. And when I go back and talk to the owners of those businesses, they always says it was more than we could afford. So look at the disconnect you've got there. At great game companies, it's all tied back to the critical number, the teaching, the scoring, and the incentives all tied back to that critical number. So if you say, I want to make more money in 2022 than I did in 21 or 20. Okay, so we're going for a, a, an earnings number, a net income, net profit, whatever your bottom line is. Just say it's simple like that. And we teach everybody in the organization what they do to move the number. Increase sales, increase our margin, watch our costs and expense, you know, all those things. Everybody belongs somewhere. If they understood that and they were in a team bonus based on that, don't you think we're much more likely to see the needle swing in the right direction? You will, I guarantee it. The funny thing is, is we're afraid to do it because then we'd have to show them how much or little we make. If someone wants to get started implementing great game in business, are there any like big mistakes that you typically see that maybe they should be aware of or try and avoid as they kind of dive into this cultural shift? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that I would, uh, would think about. Um, it's it, it's kind of a funny saying, but it's dead serious. And that is, if you got a boat on the balance sheet, you might not want to go full on open kimono, open book here. You know what I mean? If you're if you're running uh, a lifestyle out of the business, this might not fit. Um, if you're concerned about, uh, well, the numbers are negative right now. I think people run for the hills, and I got to hang on to everybody. Um, I I would not necessarily judge folks. Uh, harshly. They would probably reach out to help you. Uh, but what, one of the mistakes I would make you know, is, is either waiting too long or launching before you're ready. Meaning, are you really committed? Because once you light that rocket, once you start teaching people business and expose them to the numbers, there will be questions. And I want you to be ready for those. So don't go it alone would be my thing. Is a, a mistake would be trying to do it all yourself. And I don't mean you know just immediately uh, well, we got to, they're, they're pitching the course, they're pitching coaching, they're doing whatever. Yes, all that's available to you. But what I mean is you've got a group that runs the business right now. What if you guys got good at it first? So don't go it alone, create a little group. Uh, we call it a design team and start working through it together and, and see where, it, you know, it doesn't have to be all everybody tomorrow. So just start somewhere. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.